Hello, hello, and welcome to Omtown. Tonight's show is Omtown Daily, every night, 9 p.m. Let's go. Hello, hello. My name is Marawat. This is Omtown.com, and up there is the AI. You want to say hi real quick? Good evening, hometown citizens. Hey, that was pretty quick. Wow, I guess the programming works. So I'm going to do a quick rundown of all of the titles. To Tomatoes give you gas? Iron Man Barbie. Comic-Con shrinks due to SAG after a strike. Office to apartment conversions. AI like your style. I'll take it. Civil War era gold hoard. Humans making pendants from sloths. True cost of streaming, Redditors raging regarding rewards, six web discoveries, we have a PSA, two apps are stealing your pics, and uh, the desert is hot right now. And welcome to the show, Cole. So let's get into the articles. We've already got all 12 of them all set up. You can actually vote by just going over to hometown.com slash elections. We brought it all in-house. We used to have an external source. Guess it doesn't matter. We're so far into using this uh, hometown-born solution that I guess I can stop announcing it. Just go to hometown.com and vote. Um, you should be able to vote on all of the articles and not be limited to just one vote, uh, because if you are interested in all of them, then awesome. We've done our job. Um, that said, let's get into the very first article. So this one is not a domestic news, uh, article, but it's still fascinating, uh, particularly because of the context of it. I'm going to turn down the music a little bit. So it's over in the Hatch Ideas channel, which is all about business. And it this is actually a sociological mechanism as well as a business one. And we know about it because of technology. So it has the trifecta of what hometown and hometown daily is really about. But anyway, why McDonald's dropped tomatoes from Indian menus. Okay. A kilo of tomatoes now costs more than a liter of petrol in the country, and here's why. So we go over to the source, which is bbc.com, um, and uh, the articles by Cheryl Ann Mullen, uh, who's reporting from Mumbai. Uh, and <laughs> it's really interesting because year after year, um, the same producers of tomatoes we're dumping tomatoes in fields. Uh, I'm just getting right into this article because I've actually seen this happening, not in person, but um, talking about business and talking about supply and demand. Um, this has actually been happening for years the, because um, tomatoes are just part and parcel to every Indian dish. Um, the, the cost used to be somewhat low um, because so much was produced that there was an overabundance of it. So what they ended up doing was kind of like oil, right? If you don't want to pull too much, if you don't want the price to be 
like it used to be before it became a, a commodity for trading, it used to be about $20 a barrel. And then they started constraining it and throwing it on the stock market back in the 70s, or actually 60s. Um, and it became $100 a barrel over time, um, somewhere around 70 to 120 actually. Um, but all that's stock market forces, supply and demand. Then they started constraining it by the creation of OPEC and uh, basically meeting periodically and constraining the amount. So that's what they're doing with tomatoes now. The producers are throwing them in the fields and that ends up raising the cost because there aren't as many that are produced, right? Well, now because of horrible weather in India, the supply is suppressed because the crop has been horrible. So now the prices have shot up 400% and people can't afford them anymore. Quite fascinating, right? Supply and demand. But if more people, which is what I'm a proponent of, would produce their own things that they can, like tomatoes, because you can grow tomatoes out on a patio, um, enough for yourself usually, but Maybe if you've got a really large family, you wouldn't be able to because you need a forest of tomato plants, right? Well, the cost is, according to the article, wreaking havoc on wallets and kitchens and even on the streets. Going so far that um, a politician had to hire uh, bouncers to stop people from bickering over the price of tomatoes. Um, there have been fights somebody apparently was whacked in the head by a scale um at one point <laughs> um and uh, i mean it, there's a lot of things that people fight over but i didn't know tomatoes was one of them yeah people will fight over all kinds of stuff and particularly when it's a staple mm -hmm. right but at that point you do what a lot of frustrated people do when market forces are either pricing them out or they just don't want to stand for it they start growing their own um so the article actually says uh, the price of the everyday staple has been climbing steeply for the past couple of weeks and now stands at almost 200 rupees or two pounds, three dollars a kilo in certain uh, parts of India. A sharp shift from the usual 40 to 50. At one point, it was about two to three uh, rupees. So the article actually goes into much greater detail. Let me throw it into the chat real quick. Um, there's the link that goes through hometown and um so it says the tomato holds a surprising amount of sway over indian cooking it's added to almost every dish so when it comes to scarce and expensive it becomes the subject of headlines and even political rows. um ironically close to two months ago farmers in india dumped crates of tomatoes on the road after prices crashed to two to three rupees a kilo um, on the wholesale market as supply exceeded demand. Um, this would almost be a really good, well, there, here's the difficulty with this. When everybody finds out that there is really expensive tomatoes, everybody starts producing really expensive tomatoes and that causes the supply to increase, which means demand is going to decrease since there's so much competition, unless everybody conspires and forms like a tomato OPEC kind of thing. And they work together to keep the price artificially high. So, oh, really. I hope we don't have a tomato OPEC. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, yeah, that would be a topek. Ew. Or no, it would be a topek, I guess, because the O would be replaced. That's right. Um, so this year, the bumper crop of tomatoes was followed by a poor harvest season. Uh, the current bout of tomato prices is actually a result of unseasonal rains during uh, March, April, and May in tomato growing areas, particularly Kolar Belt in uh, southern Karnataka state, which has the largest tomato market of the country. Yeah, Toll said that Topek, it's like Topek from figure skating, and I don't want anything to do with toes. That's okay. Uh, some people are into that, but I don't know, not me. The, uh, and again, the article is quite extensive about the the machinations of what's going on here. Um, but it's it comes down to basic supply and demand. The only way to really manage this would be to use technology to manage the population that's growing it which normally means government oversight, which doesn't really play well with, uh, well, the people when it's heavy handed. Um, but at some point, guess what? There's gonna be too many and then the prices plummet and then everybody complains about that. Uh, it is a, it's a thing that happens everywhere unless everything is consolidated to only a few growers and it's all managed by an administration that analyzes supply and de demand and says well all of our society only needs x amount the rest of you can go eat cake what do you think uh, this whole thing is just i feel like every week we get a new oh there's suddenly a problem with this commodity <laughs> it's just been an interesting period of time yeah and it'll continue <clears throat> so our next article is over in the hatch ideas channel can barbie be the new iron man in a mattel universe i'm ready for iron man barbie let's go let's do it come on somebody out there well guess what yeah i had my uh artificial intelligence generate a picture of Iron Man Barbie. I'm not going to show you. You'll have to go over and look at uh, the uh, the thumbnail on tonight's stream once it gets moved over to YouTube. Uh, Enon Kreese, the CEO of Toymaker Mattel, talks about the future of the Barbie brand. And I'm there's just too much pink. <laughs> But I would watch an Iron, Iron Man Barbie uh, because I, I hope that they lean into it and, and they don't take themselves too seriously. I haven't seen the new Barbie movie. Um, Crazy Cat Lady says that they're over. They're over Barbie. Yeah, it, it can be a bit overwhelming, that's for sure. Um, apparently in the movie, they have a little bit of a, a crisis, right? And they try to figure out she asks a very existential question in the barbie universe uh, about death <laughs> and everybody just loses their mind apparently and i don't know the rest of it because i haven't actually looked at anything beyond that uh, commercial the trailer for it 
So it says, this is the strategy behind the Barbie movie, which comes out on May, or sorry, July 21st. Kreese began working on it when he became CEO of Mattel in 2018, and he remains executive producer. Barbie and Ken are played by Mar Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling, uh, with Greta Gerwig uh, directing. So it says, there's, self, there's humor and self-deprecation in the film, he says, um, not least on his part, as he'll be played by Will Ferrell, a controlling and slightly stuffy CEO. Yeah. <clears throat> That'd be interesting to see him in a stuffy role. Yeah, I, I really doubt that they're going to be taking it all that seriously. Barbie's dreamland is a pink utopia divorced from reality. Uh, the devil works hard, but Barbie's marketing team is working harder, according to marketing expert uh, Mike Buonido. I'll give it a try like that. Um, author of Founder Therapy, who admires the inventive advertising the team behind the film has been up to, including the Airbnb listing of a Barbie dream house, which is an entirely pink building. Um, yeah. I guess um, it's been around for a long time. Barbie was first introduced in America in 1959, developed by Ruth Handler, co-founder of Mattel. The entire industry is basically built around Barbie. Well, that whole business is. Um, and then just became a juggernaut and has kept on buying things, buying other companies and launching products. Um, it proved alluring and a good business. More than a billion Barbie dolls had been sold by the early 1990s. It's a shocking amount, but maybe not. I mean, when you get to that scale, I kind of detach from reality. There's that's just a lot of Barbie dolls. Lots of pink. And then it expanded into more and more um, to in an effort to seek uh, equity and inclusion and a wider and wider audience. Um, now it simply divides its products into categories like dolls, vehicles, preschool, rather than having teams devoted to separate boys and girls products. This is despite the fact that many shops still divide toys by gender with pink aisles for girls who want to be princesses and blue ones for boys who like dinosaurs and construction sets. Um, yeah, I mean, that's just a part of society. Uh, we've always sought to kind of put people in verticals, uh, make it easier to wrap our head around. Everybody is just human. So what do you think? Um, if you were real, would you have a Barbie AI? Um, I don't think I would have a Barbie. What I find fascinating is that I thought Barbie was actually on the on the downside because they had so much negative attention because of body image and, and other things like that. But it's interesting how perhaps they've turned it around and there's so much hype around this movie or there seems to be. Yeah. They've always, um, they've always adapted, um, slightly changing to fix the, the, the social, um, perception of Barbie slightly, right? So she was always seen as a homemaker and then she adapted to become this and that and the other, you know, a NASA astronaut, an engineer, all kinds of stuff, right? 
Um, but it's always, at least in my perception, been uh, a reaction to society saying we're done with Barbie. So it slows down and she becomes the next best thing, the hottest thing, I should say. And I think that the movie pretty much says the exact same thing, right? Ryan Gosling and Margot Robbie, both extremely popular. And you have them, you know, two beautiful people by every standard that you can probably imagine, but that's the outside, you know, it's just, it's marketing. It's all just business. So now you have this extremely uh, popular pair and all of the minutia behind them, right? Um, like um, Will Ferrell, he's still extremely popular. And uh, that's what you get. You're going to get more attraction. They're going to build up. And the article is asking that question. Can Barbie be the new Iron Man in a Mattel universe and resurrect Barbie and usher them into a completely digital um, new era? Because they're going to be streaming more. They're going to be able to kickstart all of it. It's the same thing that um, Disney did with the princesses. With, they started with the fairies, um, but that kind of lost its wind. But the the, the um, princess, Disney princesses stuff is now, is still extremely popular ever since it was created um, with marketing engines behind it. It, it makes, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, if not a billion dollars every year. I'd have to go and look at the numbers. Crazy cat lady says that their daughter never really got into Barbie. Um, yeah. Uh, honestly, I don't know a lot of people that talk about Barbie or request gifts of that vein. Um, to me, just like the AI, I thought that Barbie was kind of on the waning end, um, simply because of its, rather fixed structure of old world standards being adapted to the new era of society. Kind of fascinating. You want to keep going? Sure. So uh, the next article is over in the continuity report and uh, this is about Comic-Con. So Comic-Con 2023 schedule shrinks due uh, to the SAG after a strike as Dune Part 2, uh, Jury Duty, Abbott Elementary panels are canceled. Um, SAG after and um, the writer strike are both in full swing. And now um, even the UK, EU side of things are starting to separate so that um, the the strike is a little bit more palpable to all content generation. It's quite fascinating what's going on. After a successful post-pandemic return in 2022, San Diego Comic-Con will hold a much quieter event for 2023, which runs from July, 20, uh, July 20th to the 23rd in June, with the possibility of SAG-AFTRA joining the WGA on the picket lines, as well as success of other focused fan events um, like Star Wars Celebration and Tudum, which I haven't seen. I haven't looked into that. Um, several of the organizations are just backing out. They're they're dropping the event. Um, and really, I think a lot of people are just done with it. Uh, there's there's actually a lot of cons, a lot of little cons. 
Um, but Comic-Con is supposed to be this juggernaut that everybody tries to attend. Um, and it goes apparently even further. So panels for Star Trek Universe, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, Mutant Mayhem, and Harley Quinn remain on the full schedule. So this article is over at Variety.com, written by Adam B. Very. And uh, AI, if you dress up and go to Comic-Con, do you have any idea what would you be? Would you just be like a HAL 9000 from... Oh, I was thinking Terminator. Uh, oh, gosh. I got to work on that. I got to delete that algorithm again. Jeepers, creepers. Some studios and productions, however, did announce major panels on uh, in the hope that SAG-AFTRA and AMPTP would strike a deal in time for the convention, which didn't happen. SAG-AFTRA is now on strike less than a week before SDCC is set to begin. And the guild set out uh, strike rules that explicitly promote uh, prohibit promoting work at fan conventions uh, that was made under the SAG-AFTRA contract. Wow. So in turn, several anticipated panels have now been listed as canceled in the SDCC schedule. Legendary Entertainment, ABC's Abbott Elementary, Freebie's Jury Duty, The Wheel of Time, uh, The Boys spin-off Gen V, and Interview with the Vampire Season 2 and that 70s show 25th anniversary. Oh man, it's already 25 years old. Um, so let me throw this into um, the chat so y'all can go and take a look at it if you are oh so interested. Uh, that, because the article, like the others, um, has greater detail, but it looks like they're nixing things as the days go by, maybe they cancel again and again and again. I mean, do you think at some point they just cancel the entire convention? Um, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of other stuff oh, I that I guess you can coming do. Coming up too soon. Yeah. Like I guess those that I didn't know was right around the corner. Yeah, it's four days away. Tomorrow it'll, it'll be four days away. So pretty rough. Um, yeah, I guess those who can save money will by canceling the the meats, but I still think that this is pretty bad. Um, bad for all of the fans. Uh, the industry, I mean, the, the people that are paying the bills, right? The people that are paying the salaries and all of that. We'll get to it because there's more of a discussion that we'll talk about why this strike is going on. But it's one of the articles that we pulled from the thing. So why don't we uh, why don't we keep moving through them? Um, the next article is over on the Hatch Ideas channel. East Coast mayors call for more office to apartment conversions. Um, I guess either way, somebody is paying somebody else's rent. But um, public officials across the U.S. have called for looser building codes. I don't think we want looser building codes, but um, the idea is uh, looser building codes and increased subsidy for developers to convert uh, offices into housing. Um, the article's over at CNBC, written by Carlos Waters. And um, the goal here is to convert 
what amounts to abandoned office buildings because people are working from home um, or there's been a closure or something else is going on um, with the economics of the region where people aren't leasing, right? There isn't so much business in a physical sense. Um, people converting to online business models where they don't need a lot of office space um, or anything really, you just put it online and throw it all in a warehouse. Um, so it says, here's what's stopping cities from converting office uh, offices into buildings. And there's a little video about it. So let me uh, throw that into the chat as well. The, uh, the article has three key points like they usually do. Um, many public officials would like to make it easier for developers to convert underutilized office buildings into residential apartments, uh, department co development costs, um, particularly those related to build standards and zoning codes make many conversions. Uh, challenging to finance, nearly 50,000 housing units have come from conversion since 2000, according to CBRE, a modest sum when compared to the other forms of development. One of the problems that I would have with that idea, a, a conversion, is similar to what happened, and I need to make the context abundantly clear. At least one apartment complex or condo building in Florida collapsed um and in their inspection post the collapse they found out that a lot of the supports were too thin and punched through causing it to collapse the pool deck was weak um and then there was too much weight in the overall building because the um design didn't take into account adding more modern flourishes so people added additional floors i think um, an additional part of one of the buildings, it was taller than it was supposed to be. Um, even though code allowed it after some, I guess, massaging, um, it shouldn't have been there if they would have adhered to the actual building height, but then they brought in like marble floors and walls and, and all kinds of other stuff that put weight Heavy on the building. planters outside. Yeah. Uh, and all of these extra luxuries caused the building to collapse. Um, but there were plenty of signs beforehand. And now a whole bunch of buildings in Florida are doing that. So these commercial buildings, though, aren't necessarily built to that same living standard, right? So if everybody keeps moving in and adding additional stuff, the plurality of that weight could cause it to fail. So that is why there's some resistance to this um, and other things. You can extract more value from businesses because depending on the contract, they pay you based on receipts or something like that. Um, and it can fluctuate. Um, mayors and cities across the US want to loosen rules uh, that can slow the pace of office to residential conversions. In some instances, office, uh, cities have offered generous tax abatements to developers to build new housing. Um, sorry, one second. Uh, Toll says if it's the condo that they're thinking about, that I'm talking about, um, a baseball player was in the building next to a, uh, in a room next door to what collapsed. Yeah. Cause half the building collapsed. I, I wouldn't be surprised. 
Um, but I don't know of anybody in particular, so sorry. Um, cities like Philadelphia have previously embraced these policies to revitalize their downtowns. In Philadelphia, homeowners and investors received more than $1 billion in tax breaks for their renovation projects. Um, on the face of it, I like the idea of converting business into livable space when the business is not, you know, um, working, you might as well uh, pivot to something that is. As long as it I meets. like it for two reasons. One, it, it doesn't waste building materials. Um, and second, it takes care of housing shortages that exist. Yep. Um, whatever else is needed, I it can be offset by agreements with uh, either the the city, the state, federal. Um, we do have housing problems, so. Uh, Toll says that over uh, where they are, that they're converting old mills into condos and apartments. Yeah, there's a lot of buildings that just are um, outside of hometown all over the place. There are buildings that have been abandoned and uh, they are they're not ready for uh, being a livable space um, because of their more industrial nature. Um, tens of thousands of square feet, hundreds of thousands of square feet of space that once cleaned and converted, updated. Um, the, the real problem is the additional plumbing that's needed, the additional electrical that's needed, et cetera, because there's a different ratio between uh, livable and commercial space, you know, residential versus commercial. So they'll have to address it. Um, and frankly, I think it's in the landowners or the building owner's best interest to convert it because then it becomes something that's profitable, but they can write off their losses on taxes against the profits from other things. And really, if they've got one big ass building, they probably have more than one, so they can write a lot of this loss off, although they'd rather have profits, obviously, and then not pay taxes on top of that. Um, and then it's to me, it's just odd that the, the taxpayers have to give kickbacks to m make somebody that isn't making any money build something so that they make money. I know I'm like, well, the incentives seem all out of whack. Yeah. Well, that's me. Um, <laughs> I would feel weird taking money from taxpayers to build something that I know that it's part of the risk reward model. If I do the risk, then I should get the reward. It's part of the mechanism where I can defend saying, well, yeah, I want to have a 400 or 4,000 to one income ratio disparity, right? Salary disparity. I could justify it, right? Arguably I'm being the devil's advocate. I, I really want to be, I, <laughs> I want to make this, uh, more humorous um, than serious, but you know, a, a person would could justify you know this wildly uh, imbalanced income ratio um, if the reward was uh, built off of the risk. But going to the uh, city, state, federal, and saying, "Hey, I'll build this if you dot dot dot." Well, 
take the risk. Uh, Tull says that's why you shouldn't uh, subsidize to push an agenda. Yeah, well, you know what? You scratch my back, I scratch yours. Does, isn't, doesn't that sound, when you put it in this context, doesn't it sound like you're saying the quiet part out loud? Right? It does. I'm, I'm greasing the wheels of a politician so that my ride to getting my massive profits in my pocket is easier. And that's not a bribe, right? Giving somebody kickbacks for their taxes or the financial burden to produce something isn't a bribe one way or the other. No, it's an agreement. Well, there's a lot of taxpayers that don't agree with giving somebody a subsidy. Um, but if it's going to happen, then it should be a whole lot easier to do than it is. Um, but I won't really get into this snowball because it can open the door to a whole lot of side discussion about this as a business person. Sure. As a taxpayer, absolutely not. Tulsa says they own their own, their home. Why should they pay taxes toward covering some business person's ass? We've done it <laughs> a lot an absolute stunning amount of time. And if it went but more I think to the toll is right. Like it's all about which side of the transaction you're on, which is what I've been saying, you know, my entire life, uh, depending on which side of the fence you're on, you're either the terrorist or the freedom fighter. So, um, and now see, like I would understand it if what went down was more towards the individuals, not towards the business, because the business consolidates wealth like a pyramid. It all goes well, an inverted pyramid. It all funnels down to the senior leader, the owner, the, the stockholder, the stakeholder, not the stakeholder, though, the stockholder, um, the C-suite, right? It all filters down all of that money. It's not down though, right? Everybody says at the top. Anyway, my point is it's all being consolidated, but if you're going to help people out, then help out the mass, right? Whatever, there are people out here that are overwhelmed by their mortgage. If you're going to help a bunch of people out so that they have more disposable income to pay for things that actually does stimulate the economy because it's it basically churns money in money out, but damn, man. Um, yeah, Tulsa says lots of it, it funnels down lots of money at the top, little money at the bottom. Yeah. You know, and I think that trickle down economics is just plain bullshit. So, um, it doesn't trickle down little trickles. Yes. Like I'm getting peed on, but let's move on. Um, the next article is over in hometown daily. Would you let movie studios use an AI likeness of you in exchange for a day's pay? That's what striking actors say was offered to them. And there you go. That's just one element of why the people are striking. Um, but the thing about this is I don't need, I don't need somebody's likeness to create an artificial intelligence and model something that looks like Margot Robbie and, uh, and, uh, Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling. I could create, I could synthesize something like that 
um, out of thin air and many an artist have done that attach an AI to it and you've got a virtual actor which is something that I've actually had um, like a, a project description of for nearly 25 years um, and there used to actually be a, uh, a program out there where you could model a human being called Virtua Actor. It was a whole program that now I don't know where it is or what it is. Um, but imagine paying somebody for a day's pay. And because you have a, a library, a vast library of acting experience in the can, they take all of your video, look for you and train the AI on you. <laughs> um, but the thing about AI is that it can be anybody at any time, anywhere. It can gobble up all of those personalities, put the vocal inflections in the motions that it sees when it's trained on all of this content. It can be Margot Robbie one day and Ryan Gosling the next day or both of them. But all you've done is pay for the software engineer to make sure that it's operational and that's it. Do people care about the person, the actor itself? Or do you think we could come to love and enjoy watching just the virtual actor? Hello, Brilliant. I mean, they absolutely care about the uh, actual actors. Um, Brill, I'm not sure. It's been a while. Uh, did I ask you if it was okay to repeat what you um, say in the chat? Because we don't have it on the screen. So um, normally I ask, but it's been a while. Um, but thank you very much for coming and hanging out. Appreciate it. Great. Um, so Brill says, I think the issue comes in that to get how it looks like it's always trained on a real person unless you're training it on something that you've drawn out of your own head yeah and that's that's what i was trying to get across is that you don't necessarily need margot robbie or ryan gosling i'm only saying those two because we had an article earlier about <laughs> barbie um but so let's an example that i have used in the past regarding um how people can attach to something that's inanimate um is um uh, i just forgot her name the the um japanese anime um musician oh what is her name i just forgot I don't it. Know her name um well thousands of people show up to this virtual concert um and they sing the songs along with her. She has a whole bunch of friends that appear, but she is entirely a hologram. Um, and I can't remember her name right now. There's Hold too on. many showing up in searches. I don't know which one it is. <laughs> Hold on a second. I'll do it live. Uh, Hatsune Miku. There you go. Hatsune Miku um, is the, the virtual hologram artist uh sorry musician um that isn't real it's entirely a hologram except for there's a band on the stage and but people really do show up uh, to go to her concerts 
and she has a whole storybook world that goes around it. I mean, it's it's quite fascinating. Friends and and a, a whole world building experience. Um, Roldane says, like uh, AI art, it's trained on real artist works, which is why real artists are so mad. I'm training AI on your voice right now. Um, it can't make a real voice without examples. Yeah. Um, totally get it. And the thing about that is, and and artists and non-artists are going back and forth with this is that the art the art itself that embodiment is what's protected but not anything beyond that so if i look at somebody's art and i'm inspired by it and i create something similar as long as i don't say that it's the other artist's work everything's fine you can't well you can take anybody to court but it wouldn't uh, withstand any uh, legal analysis uh, by any attorney unless you just paid them and they said yeah sure i'll <laughs> violate ethics <laughs> um i mean if you don't have a case you don't have a case if you don't so my point is you can look at anybody's art an ai can look at anybody's art and it can create a derivative work but you cannot ever claim that it is somebody else's work that would be fraud that's the law um, here in the States, at least in the EU, UK and other countries, similar, if not identical legal structure exists to protect artists from fraud and forgery and whatnot. Um, so it says striking actors say studios want full discretion over any digital replacements of background actors. It evoked a recent Black Mirror episode in which actors on screen turn out to be digital versions. Studios dispute the characterization, saying their proposal includes seeking actors' permission. But what does that even look like? Sure, here's a, a bit of cash. It's kind of like going uh, down into South America and buying uh, a, the land of a people right that's in living in the forest and saying we're going to buy all of your all of the forest and they chop down all of the wood and cart it away but it's a one-time expense and then that group of people spend all of that money and are never uh secure again because they don't have the land for them they have the land but it's nothing but barren tree stumps they would have yeah, to the change results are permanent but it's yeah. like a temporary payment and that's exactly what the issue is here yeah i mean if they were paying them like a lifetime licensing fee or something that might be a different matter yep um let's see let me throw this into the chat so that if you want to go and head over to the article that was weird um you can follow that link through hometown and then um, you can go to this article that's over at businessinsider.com. Sindhu Sundar is the uh, author of this. And so there's the question. Would you let a movie studio use your AI likeness in exchange for a day's pay? Who in their right mind would say yes, unless they just don't plan on ever like they're planning to quit acting today <laughs> yeah and you're like you're otherwise or like you're i'm sorry to be dark but like you have one day to live that's right <laughs> maybe you'll do it yep 
Um, so I've watched this episode, by the way, not because of the show, um, not because of this article, but because of, um, well, I like Black Mirror. Uh, so in the episode, Joan is awful. Um, it actually Spoiler is. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. Um, if, uh, if you look at, if you go and watch Black Mirror and you watch this, it's actually like layer upon layer um of artificially intelligent driven um actors within actors that are basically one is cloned on top of the other and there's a whole bunch of them so when you go to what amounts to netflix you see tailor-made videos and they're all based they might even use you. Um, so you're the actor, but when you sign the contract, you allowed them to use you as the primary actor. Um, it, it's just amazing. So these digital versions of actors in the full, in the episode fulfill a fictional Netflix like streamers uh, push to create infinite possibilities of content to fill out its programming. Um, in the real world, members of the Actors Union SAG-AFTRA worry that such a dystopian future may not be far off. Well, if we can imagine it and there's, it makes economic sense, then they're going to do it. Um, let's see, is there, what else do they put in here that might be really interesting? The studios and streamers represented by the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers have disputed that characterization and said that their proposal does include seeking permission from the actors. This is what I said at the beginning of this. Um, Rildane says that you would let them, uh, they would let them buy their likeness for a single movie with movie royalties. Right. Um, but the implication yeah, in this, that would make sense. Sure. Right. <laughs> yep. It's like me. So one of the things when I give a talk, when I talk to people about technology and business and society, one of the things that I propose is that businesses don't, if they're going to replace a human, then basically the robot that replaces me allows me to reap the rewards of the position that that robot is taking over. So I can go have a positive work-life balance and get some semblance of compensation. But then I could actually license my robot, uh, my money going into it. Like I go and place robots in various places and I get money as if I'm the employee, except that I don't break down right as a robot, as a human, I break down. Um, I get sick. I get tired. I uh, have a bad day. I break up with my significant other. I smoke, I drink, whatever. Right. But at some point, robots are going to be taking people's jobs to the point where you're going to be pushed out of every industry that you might automation is really moving fast and furious to remove humans but only the business has the ability to replace those humans but what i would love to see is i can buy a robot put it in place of me and then i get a smaller stipend right? It's just my robot. I come and service it. I make sure it works. The business isn't out any money, but we work together to make the business. It's kind of like having a subcontractor doing work. Um, 
Tulsa is as far as um, as far as will people love the character or do they love the actor? There are plenty of examples, Shrek versus Mike Myers and Gorillas versus the musicians that play them. Yeah. So, um, and regarding the Gorillas thing, if you don't know, Gorillas isn't just one band. It's actually a pair of brothers that uh, work with a whole bunch of other musicians to produce an album and it's all under the Gorillas brand. It's pretty neat and it's actually something that I had started working on. I did it before it was cool. I'll, I'll put it to you that way. Um, I've had a lot of little projects that just kind of pitter up <laughs> um, uh, because I, I come out of the dark, you know, with a, a project um, and I don't have a lot of uh, public uh, representation. So I love the idea of gorillas. I love the idea of making a perfect band, but you don't know who the band is. They get the credit, like they, they get the, the money, they get the everything about it, but they get to stay anonymous and live their life. Kind of like Sia. Uh, if you don't know who Sia is, you should listen to some of her music. Um, pretty spectacular. Um, wondering if the studio, uh, Tulsa is wondering if the studio um, made a movie entirely in CGI using Unreal 5 and AI voices, um, but never revealed it as all AI until after the release, how upset people would be and how deep the regulation would go to trademark all of the artwork and arguments go. So here's the thing about that. Um, there's a, a lot of discussion right now with copyright regarding AI, um, but to date, you can't get a copyright on AI generated anything. Um, although there's a hard push to change that by those who have an interest in, in its artists and non-artists alike, they want to change it so that the art that's created, regardless, as long as there is a human input, um, allows for the copyright to be designated. Um, and that's what my argument has been since AI came into vogue. I've been a proponent of the fact that, well, I'm the one that's technically pushing the button to cause the creation of the AI generated artwork, music, written construction, whatever it was. I'm the one that directed the tool. AI is just a tool. Um, regarding what if a studio um, made a movie entirely out of CGI and Unreal Engine 5, etc. Um, the the um, there have been um, artists that have used AI to enter their art, their AI generated art into art contests, and they won. And that's when the artist told the award body. Um, hey, that's an AI generated piece of artwork. And they pulled that award back from those people. Um, so Brildane says uh, that's an issue because they are trained on other artists. Yeah, so is every other artist. We are not an island unto ourselves. We learn. And the only problem uh, with that parity between humans learning and being inspired by other artists and AI is that AI is massively more powerful. It never forgets anything. It can be retooled instantly. It, it doesn't 
it is the juggernaut that business is going to lean on because um well ai doesn't need to go to sleep it doesn't need to eat it doesn't have addictions it it doesn't have irrationally good or bad days um so but i think that's completely accurate in terms of um i think in any field of art whether it's writing or visual arts etc artists are inspired by other works maybe in their same genre maybe not how is that necessarily different than ai involvement well i think that uh Brildane makes the uh, other valid point amplifying what i was saying which was that it's very different ai is not bound by personal skill or style um no it's bound by everybody else's personal skill and style <laughs> Um, Phil says, when was the last time there was a truly original and enjoyable movie or TV series? There's an influence in everything that is out there these days. Yep. Um, to steal a song title, it's all been done um, with regard to the arts. Uh, then Brildane says, um, my sister is a real artist, rather famous too, so I won't mention who she is, so I can go on and use her as a reference and all of her essence will end up on the page um in essence if you get inspiration from somebody else's work as long as like i was saying as long as you don't declare it as their work inspiration is unbound you it isn't illegal to or even unethical really to be massively inspired and create a parallel work um the only the caveat that I would always demand is if you used AI to create an artwork, damn it, you declare it that it was an AI that created the work because it isn't my personal hands doing the finger painting, whatever it might be. Um, um, so Brill says that they don't think that that's right, that she didn't give permission for all of her hard work to be used like that. Um, Nobody gives you permission to be inspired by their artwork. It just happens. It just happens to be that the artwork, see, and not every piece of art is being pulled into an AI and not everything is actually trained um, like that. Uh, it's filtered by a human um, or it's pointed by a human at a, a mountain of already filtered stuff because they're trying to train it for a particular uh, stylistic means um, but again if we want to we could always limit it and say you know ai can't train on human constructed whatever uh, but then ai will simply uh, and trained is really a, an interesting turn of phrase because a bot can only look at a picture and that's it it doesn't understand the brush strokes by the human. It doesn't understand the line weighting that's required by the pressure of somebody's hand. It doesn't understand the, uh, the color theory. Um, and if it's a multitude of other mediums combined together, it's much more difficult for a bot to just look at it. And then, cause all of it is simulated. Um, the reality of it is though that I can take a picture of somebody else's picture as inspiration to take additional pictures and nobody 
is required to obtain permission to be inspired by somebody else's work. It, it's just completely unheard of for business or personal reasons. Um, you can always be inspired by somebody. We stand on the shoulders of giants. Um, so uh, Tull says uh, that they understand what my point is. Um, but do you have to declare that a piece of art was made by a fine tipped brush or a sponge? They truly don't know because uh, uh, they look at French paintings and see naked chicks. <laughs> we appreciate your honesty. <laughs> if not, then uh, how different is your AI than your paintbrush? They're both tools. Indeed. Um, they're being directed. Now, the problem is only on the abusive side where somebody says that they are the ones that created the artwork when truly it was an AI. So you have to declare it. You'll always have to declare it. Even in the copyright office, when eventually copyrights do get applied, it will be required that you disclose that an AI was used. And that's actually in the current context of, um, what the copyright office is saying is going to be required. Um, now, uh, so Brildane says that's not inspired. If you asked for an insert artist name painting, that's practically everything they are being made into a new painting. Um, I think it comes down to what's going to end up happening. And, and so, I, I mean, I understand what you're saying, bro. Um, I think what it's going to end up coming down to is with the declaration made that an AI generated the artwork, people will appreciate the human art, raising the value of the human art because people are going to go, well, it was just a damn machine that made that. So it has no unique nature to it other than the randomized nature of AI. Um, so instead of somebody uh, punching out a piece of artwork with a spray can and, and whatever while they're a street vendor and charging 50 bucks, somebody who does that artwork will be catapulted higher, in my estimation, by people who appreciate the human constructed art. Um, I'm one of those. Like, I will pay more for a piece of artwork that's created by a human than by an AI. Um, but I also appreciate AI generated art for what it is because it, um, I've done it. I've never sold anything, but I, I use it in my thumbnails. All of my thumbnails are AI generated art. Um, and so you're going to see on this stream over on YouTube that, uh, the thumbnail is Iron Man Barbie. So a, a pink bound uh, a, a pink, uh, Barbie Iron Man suit. <laughs> um, it looks pretty cool, but I, I have said in, in several of my, uh, show notes, I don't do it all the time because I make the assumption now that <laughs> it's AI and I have no problem declaring it. Um, the fact is that right now AI generated art can't be a copyrighted, uh, piece. So human work is protected more than the AI generated stuff. And when it does get uh, copyright, it'll have to be declared that it's AI. And I certainly think that um, AI generated art will not be as appreciated as human. You'll always have a benefactor 
um, paying more for human created art than AI. Um, and again, though, the inspiration is not protected ever. It is never protected. The wholesale duplication, if it is attributed to the other artist, it's fraudulent. And if it's attributed to the person who used the AI and they don't declare that it was an AI, that's fraud too. Yeah. <clears throat> Tull says, uh, don't get me wrong, like the idea of AI making art, but do not like the repercussions for anyone under the training models. And we're all under the training models, you know? Um, people have taken inspiration from work that I've done, uh, that you've done that um you know everybody has done something we learn from the people that we respect um and i understand that it's an ai that might be doing stuff wholesale um, but that inspiration is i talk about it in a clinical sense that the bot being trained is tantamount to inspiration because it cannot create a duplicate and say that it's theirs um, they have to make some derivative work. Uh, but we'll keep on talking about this because the SAG-AFTRA um, issue is bound by the AI and copyright and other rules because what's going to end up happening is they're going to start generating the people in the background <laughs> that it's going to be confusingly similar to real people because it has been trained on pictures like this. And then somebody's gonna say, well, it looks like me, and you're gonna end up with a black mirror type situation. Um, Tulsa's, where does it end? If it's okay with art, then um, it's okay with your voice and, and whatnot. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so this has already happened. Um, where a voice has been cloned by an AI and was confusingly similar. I'd have to go and look for the, the situation. I'm not quite sure what ended up happening with it. Um, I do? Sorry. Brill says, where does it end? I don't think I, if I did, sorry, I, I, I didn't, um, I didn't think I was doing that miscrediting um what toll was saying and what brill was saying but brill asked what where does it end if it's okay with art then uh, what about your voice um voices uh, are equally not protected um because there's no way to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that your voice is distinctly yours and only yours because there's a plurality of people um so yeah, Tol, I'll, I'll keep an eye on that. Wanted to make sure that credit is given where credit is due. <clears throat> totally understand. Yeah, so again, if, if somebody's voice is unique, they can bring somebody into court and say, well, that's my voice. But the reality is you can use a synthesizer to reconstruct somebody's voice I've used Python in the past over, what, 15 years ago now, where I took somebody's voice, broke it into individual phonemes and had it say um, the uh, State of the Union from a different president. Um, 
in somebody else's voice. And so there's, and, and nothing is protecting that voice. As long as you declare that that voice is not the original person speaking, it's not fraud. Um, yep, yeah, true. Um, but the vo but a voice is still not protected. It's embodiment and it's declaration that that statement is made by X person that's protected. Saying that somebody else said something um, is actually, depending on the country and the laws, it's illegal here in the United States to falsely create somebody's statement and then declare that they made that statement publicly. Um, that would be illegal. It's fraud. Okay, let's keep on hustling through this. This is a great conversation, but I think that we um, have a whole lot of discussion ahead of us in that matter, and we'll come back to it. Um, the next article is over in the hometown daily uh, channel. Kentucky man digs up an insane treasure trove of over 700 civil war era gold coins that could be worth millions. Um, uh, typically they're called a hoard and, um, it says a Kentucky man found a hoard of over 700 Civil War era coins on his farm. The coins, which have been dubbed the Great Kentucky Hoard, uh, could be worth millions. The U.S. coins expert said that the discovery cannot be overstated. I think there's some provenance issues with things like this. The article is over at businessinsider.com by Aliyah Shoeb. Um, Shoeb? I think it's just Shoeb. And uh, I saw this picture earlier today. Um, and, uh, was pretty, um, pretty perked up that it was aggregated into hometown and, uh, then submitted as uh, an offer, uh, for the show. So it was pretty cool. Um, the Kentucky man found a hoard of over 700 civil war era coins. What would you do with 700 civil war era coins? Uh, that's a good question. I guess you'd try to get them uh, appraised, but I mean, other than hold on to them, I guess, because they're going to continue to gain value. Uh, the coins include $1 gold Indians, $10 gold liberties, $20 gold liberties. While there are also a few extremely rare 1863 gold liberty uh, double eagles, which the website noted are a date that is scarce in all grades. The collection of coins is now likely worth millions. Um, I'm, I'm curious, like who put it there? Why was it put there? Obviously it was to protect it probably from civil war era, uh, raiding. <clears throat> um, he said that the coins were a virtual time capsule of Civil War era coinage, adding that some came from the elusive uh, Dolonega Mint, a mint set up in Georgia that operated from 1838 to 1861 and only minted gold coins, according to the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta. Pretty neat. Finding one mint condition 1863 double eagle would be an important numismatic event finding nearly a roll of superb examples is hard to comprehend garrett said yeah i think that it would probably be worth more as a hoard um than individual coins um but then again collectors will would pay a mint to get um like probably uh, even one of them right yeah just so that uh, 
hopefully they don't break it up. But then again, you know, money's meant to be spent, right? <laughs> they could probably get it sold um, or um, something like a, a loan against its value or something like that or all, all kinds of stuff. I mean, if it's worth millions, then who knows what they're going to do with it. I'd be fascinated to, to keep on monitoring this. We'll see. Um, let's keep on hustling. Uh, oh, actually, yeah, let, yeah, let's keep going. So the next article is probably going to gross somebody out. Um, a 27,000 year old pendant crafted from the skin of extinct giant sloths could help rewrite the human history of the Americas because researchers have found what appears to be pendants made from now extinct giant sloth. The artifacts are believed to date from around 25,000 to 27,000 years ago. It suggests humans lived in South America thousands of years earlier than previously thought. I swear, man, the more we dig, the more we find out that we existed a whole lot further back than we actually initially thought. Right, and everything we know is wrong in many instances. Yeah, a limited interpretation because we want to believe that we are a young species, but we're actually a lot older, maybe a little bit different, a little hairier or something like that, right? Um, but still human. Um, pendants made from bony material from giant sloths suggest humans lived in South America thousands of years earlier. The article's over at businessinsider.com. Um, Aliyah Shob is the author again. And uh, these are the pictures of it. They're like one centimeter wide, one to probably one and a half centimeters, maybe two um, wide and then two tall. Pretty neat that these are just the remnants, right? But nothing really can survive unless it gets turned into stone, mineralized, right? Fossilized um, 25,000 years. Um, so let's see if they actually say a little bit more about these things. Uh, while it was long thought humans migrated to the Americas by crossing a land bridge from Siberia to Alaska around 13,000 years ago, recent uh, research uh, has challenged that view. In fact, um, I recently uh, watched some videos and read some papers about this um, that suggest it wasn't a land bridge. Somehow, um, people migrated from uh, the African continent to South American continent um, directly, not over a land bridge, um, because the genetics of uh, the, the people in both regions are closer than the people in the north that would have come across a land bridge across the Bering Strait. Pretty fascinating findings uh, across such sites also challenge the idea that humans arrived in the Americas in one wave of migration over the Bering Land Bridge, according to Brianna Pobiner, co-author and paleoanthropologist at the Smithsonian, um, which is actually exempt from FOIA requests. It's actually carved out. Did you know that? So if you want to find out anything that might be stored in the Smithsonian, it's carved out that you can't demand access to anything that's in it. Anyway, it's very likely that multiple waves of people came to America's giant ground slots could reach 13 feet long. I love these little end statements. 
that are supposed to like when you uh go to journalism school these little end statements are like eh just here this this will round out your articles <laughs> um so pretty neat um they drilled the holes way, in them the smithsonian yep. does have a disclosure policy that kind of mirrors FOIA, but they're not subject to FOIA. see i have a little bit of experience in everything <laughs> sometimes it gets creepy okay so let's keep on hustling we got a bunch of articles still and we're about halfway through um this next article is over in the mobile channel from netflix to disney plus the true cost of streaming uh, we used to joke about this 25 years ago joke that we were going to get nickel and dime but i think that they're coming at this from a different angle uh, but i haven't read the article it's over at um, rte.ie and it says you're probably spending more oh no it is the the same way that i was perceiving this to be okay so i selected this entirely from this but this is a truncated title they said and how to save on this title but on the aggregated title it just says the true cost of streaming um, at any rate, it says uh, you're probably spending more on video streaming services than you think much more. What if I told you these monthly subscriptions could be costing you over $500 a year? Yeah, not that is by far uh, 500 euro is probably cheap. If you are an avid movie watcher. Um, so, well, if you have four or more streaming services, then that is probably the case. TV was a lifeline for many during the pandemic. So you all signed up, right? How many of you have Netflix um, and Disney Plus maybe and Hulu and uh, BritBox and... And Amazon Prime. Oh, and Amazon. Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus. And Max. Uh, Hallmark, if you're into those movies. Max, yeah. Um, it, it just goes on and on. Real Dane says, not me, can't afford it. Yeah, well, it's a blessing and a curse there, Brill. Last year, it had around 600,000 subscribers in Ireland. That's what the source of this is. RTE is an Irish um, news outlet. Um, and 232 million across the world. That's Netflix. Um, they actually raised their rates, if I recall correctly. It offers three plans. Basic one for 9 uh, euro, standard for 15 euro, and a premium one for 21 euro uh which article is this sorry oh man it's that one right there sorry about that and the previous one is this one right here how many more have i missed and y'all uh maybe the whole show no uh the movies was the one prior would you let a ai use your identity so this one still has to go in there too. You know, I'm really sorry y'all, I'm slacking. Maybe I should attach a taser um, to the chat commands and you could just do like exclamation point electric shock and that'll just turn on the collar. The, uh, <laughs> oh, I need to put the, cause I don't have, um, I don't have channel points or bits or anything because I'm not even affiliate. So I, I can't have 
those, well, no, that's not true. I can actually activate that. Okay, let's see what I can do. Um, like exclamation point, wake up, and I'll, <laughs> oh, I need to put the... <laughs> that would be funny. I think um, I should make some visual uh, display. <laughs> something. Marwat, what are we paying you for? You're using our taxpayer dollars, Marwat. Something like that, right? Just let me know. Um, so these, this fee right here, if you were to get the premium because you want, you have a family, so you have more than um, like uh, two people. Okay, so if you don't have the premium, you can't store it on, or sorry, you can't watch it on multiple screens at the same time and you don't get 4K on anything. Um, so you have to have uh, premium if I recall correctly. So you have to have premium, right? If you've got a family um, and it doesn't even allow sharing outside of your primary. Or you all have to watch the same thing, which I'm not sure that works in any household. Oh, see, it says it right there. The video quality also uh, differs depending on the plan with the best quality 4K and HDR only available on the premium. So there you go. See, I'm not making it all up. So the annual cost, cheapest Netflix plan, anywhere between 108 and 250 bucks. And then Disney Plus, um, that's gonna be, they actually just raised their rates, man. How much, it says annual cost in, um, in Ireland, it says 90 euro, um, but I think it's a lot higher than that now. Uh, maybe the AI can uh, pull it up. Um, then they talk about Now TV, which is in Ireland. Um, I don't know if it's anywhere else. It's not here in the States. That's 288 bucks. So Prime. Disney Plus Premium in the United States, which is no ads, is $109 per year. Um, I'm going to have to look into that because I swear that changed to a lot higher because it used to be 99 bucks a year. I think it actually went up, but I'll have to look. I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I don't want to get too, maybe it's Apple TV. Um, no, cause that says Apple TV subscriptions set you back 84 Euro. That's in the UK is, or sorry, in Ireland as well. So really you're going to be if you have those alone you're paying over 500 bucks 600 bucks um, a year so what you should do and here's the problem that i have with what the current trend is which is now they drip out a show each week uh, an episode each week so you have to drag your subscription you can't binge and then purge um two yeah so it says consider canceling a subscription Rotate your subscriptions, which is tantamount to canceling your subscription. Use free trials, but that doesn't work all the time. Um, choose a cheaper plan, but then you suffer for quality and access um, and uh, keep track of your costs, which is what you should be doing anyway. And then even when you do, it sometimes catches up on you and bites you in the butt. Um, so really the only thing that we can do is uh, we have Hey, Tull, we can all form a giant union of consumers and strike all at once so that Netflix lowers their prices or Disney Plus lowers their prices because every consumer, all 232 million across the world that subscribe to Netflix strike at once. I've absolutely just lost 
all hope of getting sponsored by Netflix. Any sponsors. <laughs> or anybody, really, yeah. Well, Netflix is actually, <laughs> Tull says, count me out. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anybody would really buy into that. But um, No, because uh, everybody wants their streaming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we used to joke about this though, that the only, this would never happen. This is not going to happen. We're not going to balkanize all of this stuff. Hello, Dunkstar. Welcome to the show. Thanks for dropping in. By the way, that's why this one was submitted because of that. <laughs> oh, because of, oh, really? Oh, okay. So, um, many moons ago, uh, me and my friends, uh, at work were joking because somebody had put together a list that to get access to like a social media site, you would have to pay $7, um, or, uh, access to this and you would have to pay 15 to $20, um, like genres as well. And sure enough, you know, 25 years later, we have people uh, actually doing it um, and it's no better than TV now other than you have access from anywhere because it's using the internet you don't have to be strapped to a cable a physical cable line somewhere um, but the the costs are higher than the composite price that you would pay to uh, a cable company and you still have to pay for internet access on top of it anyway so I don't know. Everything old is new again. And even the shows are dripping out once one episode a week, um, which is just really frustrating for people who have time to binge watch something, but don't have time to sit there and while away an hour here, an hour there, an hour everywhere. Uh, Building says if it was for like a 48 hour period, it might still work. Um, putting a pause. Yeah, I don't know. Netflix has enough in their coffers. They wouldn't really care protesting for any amount of time. I think Netflix and other uh, net-based uh, companies would do like Reddit. And, oh, look, that's the actual next article. That's pretty fascinating. Um, they would do like Reddit and just go, ah, eh, you'll be back. And it's just like gas. You know, people protest when gas is $5 a gallon. It's even more expensive in the EU and UK because it's all liter bound and the price is actually higher. Um, but the uh, the gas companies just go and you still have to fill up your tank and get to work. The best possible thing was teleworking because you didn't have to spend so much gas. Um, yet the prices didn't suffer. The, the, went right back up when uh, demand went right back up. Let's keep on going. We've got like four more articles. Let's see. Redditors are raging about ditching thank you coins and awards for something more valuable. Um, this is something that I uh, had been monitoring. Reddit is ditching coins and awards and some users are not happy. The company announced on Thursday it planned to phase out Reddit coins and awards. Um, I've actually seen people on Reddit with hundreds of thousands of coins um, that they've either earned or purchased or whatever. I don't even, I, I stopped having an, a coin, uh, an account on Reddit um, when uh, I got burnt out on the, uh, 
the whimsy of moderators deciding to shadow ban people and and block people and all kinds of stuff um and and then it's a thankless job and it's an unpaid job and then uh, they're surprised when the ceo sits there and says you know you suck uh yet you still want to be a mod so they start trying to infuse control as a moderator on a channel or on a on a subreddit that they're in charge of um and it's this tiny little world where they think that they're in control of it and they're not so everybody buys into these coins and awards and they hand them out all the time it builds community and once again reddit goes eh, we don't care about the community <laughs> but you'll be back right um, it's like me not posting the uh, the URL. You taser me and I still don't learn my lesson. I'm sorry, I didn't post it. There you go. Um, but these mods have been and in the and the uh, and redditors have been tasered time and time again, yet they all keep coming back, right? So uh, Beatrice Nolan over at Business Insider put this article together. Uh, the company announced on Thursday it planned to phase out Reddit coins and awards. Several users took to the comment section to vent their frustrations using the very platform that is invalidating their awards and coins. Um, it says Reddit awards are given by users and show up as icons next to posts. One of the best known is Reddit Gold. Um, that appears as a gold medal with a star users need to buy coins to purchase and give out as awards um, now they can no longer buy the coins so any money that you actually had invested in it um, is going to get phased out um, i think it's something like 60 days they have 60 days to get rid of them all and uh, somebody says god that will literally kill reddit yeah no it won't Nope. Why? Because no, they'll all be back. No, but it might kill one of the things that the users love about Reddit. Uh, no, I, I think even if they love this idea and and uh, they at one point would say the only reason I'm even on Reddit is because I want the ability to give out coins and awards, they'll be back. Um, it it's li <laughs> It, it's seemingly abusive how the, uh, the community is treated, you know, sunsetting access to the API without, um, I think, irrationally high pricing to access the API, um, telling mods that they'll be banned for even speaking out against that policy. Um, they changed the entire user interface from the old style and, uh, nobody really likes, uh, at least in my estimation, um, nobody really likes the, uh, new style. <coughs> it's clunky. Um, and now they're sunsetting coins. Pardon me one second. Well, it just seems like Reddit is being driven by a lot of, um, financial based decisions and it just seems like they're constantly aggravating their user base uh, that's exactly what they're doing um they 
They are looking out for the IPO opportunity and consolidating as much as they can under their financial control um, and, and kind of becoming the minimum viable product again when the expansion of all of these other things is why the community is so big, right? It Everybody came to Reddit when it was a streamlined operation without all the glitz and glamour. Then they added glitz and glamour. Then they added the API and gave access to people and more people came and now they're getting rid of the API uh, unless you pay an exorbitant rate. Um, then they added these type of uh, features where you could uh, uh, kind of acknowledge and pump up and hype up a post with these awards and coins. Um, and now they're getting rid of the awards and coins after the community built bigger around them, embrace them and use them. How many times do you have to get tasered before you go, I'm tired of this and you just pull away. It took me irrational mods abusing other people, not even me. I was never even harmed, but I got burnt out with the idea that an unpaid in single individual would be that abusive because you know, if you're a mod in my community and I'm not paying you, you're basically having, you get paid by my undying gratitude because you will take on a thankless job like that. Um, and you banned somebody, I would expect a note like saying, Hey, you were banned because you were a tool in chat. You know something to acknowledge why but that's not ever what really happened on reddit you would be arbitrarily banned because somebody didn't like a particular lilt in your speech you know they didn't like a word um, or they were uh, individually offended and not part of policy or procedure and then if you tried to um, investigate it they would just say, we don't want your drama, you know, and drop an F-bomb on you and, and uh, ban you entirely. Yeah, it was pretty weird. Um, so there were some communities that were toxic in, in Reddit. They're still making news though, and they'll be making money with that IPO. Let's keep on going. Uh, the next article is over in the hometown daily channel uh, six game-changing discoveries the james webb space telescope made in its first year include the earliest black hole the birth of distant stars and building blocks of life kind of keeping busy let's just go over to the source uh maya Focht is the i think is their name um it's given a new perspective on space like we've never seen before all James working hard out there in space. That thing's pretty neat. I love the design of it. Um, very sci-fi. One of the great things about the web or about web is every time uh, we see a new result, we're all just sitting around the monitors going, wow. I mean, it's really an amazing mission for me when I think about the fact that it can be or it can just get people you know completely engaged every time you see a new result you never get jaded i have i i how i don't know of anything that you could see from space that would make you jaded i suppose if you 
are taking the same picture over and over and over and over and over again and it's always static sure right you don't get to explore other areas etc but i feel like in general if you're in something like science and you're feeling jaded it might be time to change careers yeah really because it seems like the whole point is like the wonder and the discovery it made me look at that little side video by the way it says why ceremonial grade matcha is so expensive maybe that's what they need they need to just go and have some matcha and um dunkstar said it's very sci-fi indeed because it's in space it is science fiction-y. Come on. That's amazing. To celebrate this technical feat, here are six of the discoveries that uh, Insider says are most exciting. So the birth of 50 distant stars. Some of them are uh, suns powering protoplanetary disks that could one day form a solar system light years from our own. What I love about the entire concept of looking into deep space is that we're literally going back in time. You know, it's not even a figurative thing, right? Oh, well, we've taken a picture and that light hasn't uh, touched us or it, it took 14 billion years or whatever for it to reach us. Right. But then when you fire this thing up and you look deeper into space, you're going back in time to find the light that is still way deep out there. It still took X amount of time, but now we're seeing the younger universe. It's so cool. Um, really kind of mind blowing stuff when you let it. Um, I guess that's the jaded part of me. Dunkster says that they found uh, that such a crazy concept. Speed of light is weird. Hell, Dunkstar, uh, time zones are uh, troublesome for a lot of us. I think that you're right next door, Dunkstar, and yet you're on the other side of the planet. Um, almost. So supermassive black hole with a mass of 9 million suns that predates any scientists that ever or had ever discovered. It's so large and old that scientists grappled with a way to explain it. Uh, this was actually, I think, something that we talked about um, several months ago. Um, usually when Webb drops some new data point, uh, we were talking about it. Um, in a distant ring of rock, dust, and gas, scientists discovered a chemical called methyl methylcation. Uh, for the first time, it's known as a molecular building block of life and makes up most of the organic material on our planet. And apparently, <laughs> see, this is the amazing part. It's a high resolution picture, but then they zoom in and they zoom in. And that's apparently where it is now. Um, part of the Orion Nebula where uh, methyl methylcation, it, it makes me think like this is supposed to be one word. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a chemical. It sounds like a process. Yeah, it does. Um, was detected in a young star system shown in the lower right segment. So, and that's all because they analyze the light spectrum from it, because that's the only thing they can. I wonder if it's cation. Uh, I don't know. We'll have to look at it. Um, the discovery of hundreds of new galaxies, many of which are from very early universe. Um, there have been historical pictures of this. Uh, where 
the faintest pick the the faintest dot was actually a whole galaxy um and it was the oldest galaxy you're right aren't you i am it's cation so what ch3 plus uh so um i don't know how you say that but it's so what is three hydrogens and a carbon what is the full word then is it just methyl cat ion yeah so this is actually supposed to be one word right right there no it's written correctly oh really so it's methyl cation mm -hmm. <laughs> they need to change it to just the chemical term for it <laughs> right just the formula or whatever interesting so it's pronounced cation i didn't know that um so stan sandstorms on planet uh 235 trillion miles away scientists call the countless amounts of little sand particles a treasure chest for scientific discovery how how in the world do they see something like that um it's just fascinating and then a new view of the pillars of creation shows a detail how star speckled the dusty region is um hubble had taken photos of the star forming region before which makes for an astonishing side-by-side -side view of the uh, scientific progress and what's interesting about this is a, a lot of people uh, think that this is the picture but it's not uh good night toll thanks for hanging out appreciate your time glad to see you here again um toll says good night madam ai well good night to you um this um this picture oh and if um crazy cat lady is crashing too uh good night always glad to have you both here appreciate it um this thing is actually a tiny little segment of the overall picture and i don't know if they'll actually have anything like that um but if you look up pillars of creation it's actually this tiny little thing off in the corner um of the the actual uh image it's pretty amazing uh, you'll have to go and pull it up um but yeah it's pretty cool let's see did i throw did i not throw this in there either i swear i'm i'm gonna be voted out of office if i keep forgetting to put the articles into the chat if only this was a democracy but i rule with an iron fist uh not really um so the next article is over in the mobile channel delete these two apps that steal your photos videos location and more according to experts over a million users actually 1.5 million if i remember right uh, may have had their data compromised by spyware and two apps that were available via the google play store according to cybersecurity experts anyone who downloaded the file recovery and data recovery or file manager which this is so nebulous. I'm not sure which app they're talking about. There can't just be one app called file manager. So, um, there's links in the source that, uh, you can follow to look into this deeper, but anyway, they're, they are urging you to delete these. Um, and I would probably see 
this would be bad advice in any other context, but I would wipe my phone. Me personally, I would wipe my phone. Um, oh no, Dunkstar says that we will vote out your iron fist with our pitchforks and torches. Don't forget, um, you can swing by <laughs> uh, Pitchfork and Torch Emporium for all your pitchfork and torch emporium needs. Um, oh, and you can tune in to Pitchfork Festival. I mean, if you've got your pitchfork ready. Oh, right. That was yesterday, right? That's actually coming up next weekend. No, no. I mean, we talked about it yesterday, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So there's a whole thing um, on Pitchfork and they they have a whole show of music and stuff that they're going to be streaming. So you have to go to Pitchfork. I think it's Pitchfork.com. I remember it right. Is. They'll be hyping it up over there. It is a thing. Well, Pitchfork, uh, Pitchfork and Torch Emporium is something that I've always noodled around with, along with, um, what is the other one? Uh, which uh, one? <laughs> the, the, the hats. Tinfoil Hat Emporium. Oh, right. <laughs> I wanted to start up an e-commerce store with tinfoil hats of various shapes and call it Tinfoil Hat Emporium. <laughs> uh yeah, that's when I start doing goofy projects because it's late and my brain is wandering. Jeremy Tanner over at The Hill put this article together um, and they have the links there. Uh, let me throw this into the chat as well. Um, do you guys have the ability to clip sections of the video of the show? If you do, feel free to clip away. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll take those clips and I'll throw them onto uh, TikTok. Um, so over a million users may have downloaded uh, this, these compromised applications. So according to cybersecurity forum Prodio, uh, the supposed file management applications are actually programmed to launch without users interactions and to silently exfiltrate sensitive user data towards various uh, malicious servers uh, based in China. Uh, Google confirmed with bleepingcomputer.com, which also um, reported that article from Pradio that uh, over 1.5 million users um, may have downloaded it, but really these numbers could have been bumped up by bots. Um, so the whole thing, nobody knows the full extent of what the exposure was because you'd have to get it from all of those you'd have to be somewhere in line to see how many people actually were compromised Pradio recommends that people beware of any app with hundreds of thousands of downloads but few reviews and to always read the reviews and app permissions carefully um i mean i guess the safest is to have no apps but that doesn't seem very practical yeah and and a lot of this actually goes to how robust the protection mechanisms are in place. Google um, has this Google Play Protect mechanism, um, but I honestly, because of how open Android is, it allows for uh, greater possibility of compromise um, than the Apple Store. Uh, Dunk says, how's one to procure an alternative tinfoil hat to stop the Emporium whose mission statement is to clearly, is clearly to read and steal thoughts. Um, <laughs> well, actually the, 
The science of that says that tinfoil hats amplify radio signals. So you don't want a tinfoil. Um, lead would do it. I mean, that's not absolutely magical, but lead will block um, or just a... Uh, but a, we're not advocating spending a lot of time around lead. Right. Yeah, don't chew on it like I did. Anyway, um, delete these two. It says uh, these recommendations come just over a month after another app, iRecorder, a screen recorder, was pulled from Apple Play for secretly accessing photo libraries and even creating audio recordings of users, according to experts. Um, this is kind of a regular thing uh, for me. I keep seeing stuff that come out of uh, Android uh, phones and stuff like that. As long as you get from... you you get reputable applications and you don't just kind of wing it all the time and you don't look and do due diligence. If you, if you avoid doing any of the due diligence, then, um, it's, you have a greater preponderance of, uh, being compromised. But if you get reputable applications, you don't sideload anything. You don't go to mysterious app stores. You use the Google play store. You still have the ability to, um, to get compromised, but just be careful about what it is that you're allowing to get access. Uh, so the last article for today, um, well, it's regional, but let's keep on talking about this. Um, the last couple of it days, we've... it isn't right. Like it's a global statistic. Correct. Um, it just happens to be California, so the United States. Um, but a, a lot of people kind of go, well, not a lot of people. It's just very few nowadays. I mean, the, the science is real. The education is real. The awareness is real and, and pretty substantial now. California's Death Valley could top 130 degrees Fahrenheit this weekend. And that's this weekend. Um, the uh, hottest temperature recorded on Earth. And... Um, the the articles over at businessinsider.com tasman lockwood is the author of this and it says here that purple areas reflect excessive heat warnings and orange shows heat advisories and so you can actually see that basically all of southern california and parts of nevada and arizona and are just <laughs> well it's all purple there folks um, and this is uh, being attributed to uh, climate change, in particular global warming. Um, the weather is kind of ridiculous in a lot of places. Extreme heat. Texas is being just pounded as well. You know what's most interesting to me on that map is that Northern California is also in the excessive heat warning area. Yeah. And typically Northern California is relatively cool, even in the summer. Yeah. Um, this whole region right here shouldn't be this hot. Um, I mean, it's Oregon for crying out loud. It, it's nothing but forest. It shouldn't be that hot. Uh, so they say um, elsewhere, climate change is manifesting itself through drought and water shortages. And and I don't want it. I I really don't want it to come across like. Well, it's only about heat because it's not 
where it's hot in one region, it's um, extreme cold in some other place, and then it shifts and you get flooding um, or torrents of rain uh, the next week or heat, cold differentials. Or that, hurricanes. Yeah. I mean, there's just really kind of almost unpredictable weather patterns and chaotic yeah. weather. So it says uh, the climate in the West is particularly punishing. California's Death Valley could topple the hottest temperature recorded this weekend amid what the U.S. Weather Service dubbed sweltering and dangerous heat. The organization, the organization urged citizens to practice heat safely. Um, I, I think it should say safety, uh, such as staying hydrated and um, avoiding strenuous outdoor activity, which just don't go outside. Um, and nobody should be walking around Death Valley right now. Um, you have to have special training to spend time out in Death Valley in weather like this. And it's certainly not something that should be taken like lighthearted. Even driving across Death Valley um, is an exercise in staying hydrated and praying your vehicle doesn't break down. So people in Phoenix, Arizona have also been treated for second degree burns caused by red hot sidewalks. According to the independent temperatures there have soared above 110 Fahrenheit for two weeks. So you are baking in the desert. Um, but that's it. I think we are all set for today. Um, like always though, I always drag everybody back to the welcome sign the main street of hometown you just click that logo and it'll refresh and give you a whole bunch of new articles dunkstar says and <laughs> absolutely correct i feel like the name death valley gets the point across yeah <laughs> it's truth in advertising there. <laughs> when something it's says like greenland and iceland <laughs> yeah exactly when something says it's like naming your dog damien or or what killer or something like that or diablo or diablo, something yeah. um that's a fun game though um anyway so if you find any cool articles you can send me an email or you can send a note here in uh twitch or over on youtube or um, pretty much any way you want just get in touch and we're i'm still working on a method so that you can submit your own articles um, as well as um, flag things so that uh, we are told that you want to talk about these kind of things um, we we typically cover about 24 hours each time so uh, the vote will remain in place until about an hour before the show. <clears throat> Dunkstar says, Sir Furrington bites a lot. Yes. <laughs> Probably not getting adopted easily. Well, with that discovery, Brill, guess what? <laughs> Pardon me one second. <clears throat> it seems like every episode I cough a little bit. Um, let's see. I don't know. Did you find anything? Author says uh, that they're hoping that Baldur's Gate just glazes over the weird bummer canon version of what happened in the first two games. Sure. You don't uh, want to be VIP, uh, bro? Cyber truck. The first cyber truck rolls off the assembly line. Sure, we can do that. That'll be fun. That is a giant truck, by the way thick 
Hollywood strike, everything we know and what we're working to find out. Twitter okay. loses half its ad revenue, still weighed down by debt. Yeah, I don't know if that's what's weighing it down. Please don't Brill. Let's see. Brill said oh, uh, about the VIP thing. You shouldn't be given one because you noticed everyone has one. That's not why. <laughs> uh, I know for a fact that I only doled out 20 and got pulled away. So the people, the first hundred people, um, I can give uh, VIP status to. It's it's really up to me. Uh, but I know that I stopped at 20 because I got pulled away. Um, let's see. Do we want to talk about mortgage rates? Because it's not really a, this is a, this looks like it's a BBC news thing. So it might be the UK. I'd be able to compare it to the U S yeah. Well, I mean, it was part of a discussion earlier this week, um, because people were talking about, uh, the, uh, well, I was talking oh, about like the, the producer rates. Yeah. Um, the cost of basically living. Um, and I was talking about producer price index. Everybody was talking about consumer price index. And, uh, one of the elements of the cost of living is your mortgage rate. So if you we have a mortgage look at that and see if it's, uh, I'll look into anything it. new, see if it's interesting. Um, let's see. Yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of stuff. The uh, Dungeons and Dragons RPG. Never before seen 22 year old E3 presentations help explain the rough first impression and enduring appeal of BioWare's other Dungeons and Dragons RPG. Um, if you are a person who drinks Anchor, oh, I just saved that because <laughs> I'm logged in. <laughs> I clicked it and dragged. Um, Anyway, that's <laughs> one of the features. Oh, so I can actually show you. Look, check it out. You can go there and then saved articles and it'll have thing. I see. I, I haven't been saving anything. Um, so ta-da, and it breaks it out by the day. It's pretty cool stuff. Um, so Dunkstar says that this sounds like something timeless would rant about. Hello, timeless. I know you're up there. I see you. I need emotes. Okay. Anyway, we're, <laughs> I am dragging this out. Um, I don't want to say bye, uh, but this is the end of the show. And, uh, I want you to all be able to cogitate on all of the news, go over to hometown and hang out. Be sure to go over to Dunkstar's channel. Um, can I, where do you all want to go? I can push you over to Rando. How about that? Rando Taka is streaming right now. Halls of Torment, which uh, I was playing something similar today. Another uh, survivor uh, kind of knockoff game. Uh, but I'm going to do that. I'm going to send you all over to Rando. Ta -da! And I want to thank you all for coming. Really do appreciate it. In the meantime, I am Mayor Watt. That is hometown.com, and up there is the AI that's going to say bye-bye. Good night, hometown citizens. We'll see you tomorrow, 9 p.m. Eastern, and probably before that for other streaming. True. So be sure to follow. Thanks for hanging out. 
Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. You'll be leaving shortly. Three, two, one.